If you have a Bible, turn it to Acts 2, please. Acts, the second chapter. We've been talking about Holy Spirit meetings, Holy Spirit services, Holy Spirit times. And can you tell that uh, the services have already changed? And they have a different feel. And we don't want to have any preconceptions about what they will be the next time we meet together or tonight. You know, we might shout. We might sing the whole time. We might all repent. Right? <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know, the spirit of repentance was here uh, last week. It was. You could sense it. We could have, uh, you know... Well, I won't say, but the Lord led us that way. And um, we need it all. And the Lord wants us to grow in this. This is our assignment, not just mine, but yours. And we certainly can't do this on our own, even remotely. But the Lord wants us as a family and everybody that will commit to come on these Friday nights and become a part to learn how to yield to the Spirit. Right? And learn how to cooperate with Him. And uh, the last couple of times, the Lord's led me to teach some because, you know, it's not just doing something. You've got to learn how to do it. I read something uh, some years ago in, about flying, and I thought, boy, that's good. The guy said he had all this kind of experience in flying. He said, you learn how to fly the plane on the ground. You practice flying the plane in the air. Where do you learn how to fly it? Well, what about your pilot? You're flying along, and he goes, now how do you land this thing? Get the book. Read Read that chapter to me again. No, you won't. He should learn that on the ground before you ever took off. And um, we we know a few things, but we need to learn some more things. Uh, so many times people are trying to do something and, and they frustrate themselves because they're not coming according to the Word and not coming according to the right way. You see people that are so intense about wanting the supernatural that they miss God and get into trouble and get into error. And it's, uh, it's interesting that a lot of things that people intend to be and promote to be Holy Ghost times actually turns into flesh times. It's happened again and again. And we're not to judge anybody. We've all made mistakes. Uh, a number of the things I've learned about uh, operating with the Holy Spirit is because of mistakes I've made in times past. And you've got to be willing to step out and, and, and do the best you know. Right? And yet you, you could make a mistake. That's not the end of it. Being teachable, being correctable is so important with everybody, leaders and everybody. Uh, I know years ago, oh, this would have been 20 plus years ago, I was teaching healing school at uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry every day. And so studying healing quite a lot. And I was looking at the... Uh, people that God had used mightily in generations past and uh, several individuals that just had outstanding things that God did by them and used them to be a part of. And yet, the more I learned about them as time went on, many of them died young, died wrong, actually got into error, led people astray, and as I'm learning more about it, some of these people, I realize, man, 
they knew more about God <laughs> than any five people that I know maybe put together in some of these areas. And they still got off. They still got into error. And at one point in my life, it began to trouble me some. And I, and I began to see, I'm not going to uh, be protected from getting in error because I'm smarter than them. These are some brilliant people. I'm, I'm not going to be spared from getting off because I'm praying more. These guys prayed night and day, some of them. And I mean, some, knowing the Word, dear me, some of them could quote half the New Testament. And, and it began to concern me because I thought, well, I, can, I could grow in some of these things for 20 years and maybe not even be where they are. How can I not fall? How can I, get, I not get into error? And it began to weigh heavy on my, my mind. And I remember coming into the uh, speaker's room. I was about to speak, and, and I, just, I just fell out on the floor. And I said, God, I don't see how I can be assured of not getting off. I don't see, because I'm not going to be so foolish as to think I know more than these people did. Or prayed more, or was more sincere. I said, how can I keep from getting off? How can I keep from getting into error? How can I keep from missing you? And, and worse, leading other people astray. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He spoke to me. I don't mean to heard an audible voice. Inside me. How many know God still speaks to people? Yes. Have you read the Bible? Yes. Did he speak to people in the Bible? Yes. Does he still speak to people? Yes. Yeah, he does. If you learn how to listen. Don't try to hear him in your head. Don't try to hear out here. Don't try to have feelings or inside. The Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. He spoke to my heart. I wrote it down. I didn't have to. It was burned in me. He said, Keith, pride makes you susceptible to deception. Later on, I found Obadiah 3 that says the pride of your heart has deceived you. Pride makes you susceptible. I don't care how brilliant you are. I don't care what you think you know. I don't care how many degrees you've got. Pride makes you dumb. Darkens your understanding so you can't see what should be, what's right in front of your face. What you should be able to see, you won't see it. Pride deceives. He said, your humility is your protection from deception. Everybody say that out loud. Your humility is your protection from deception. Say it again. My humility is my protection from deception. Do you want to be deceived? What, what does deceived mean? Deceived means you believe a lie. You think a lie is true. You're convinced a lie is right. So when you're deceived, do you know you're deceived? No. You think it's right. You think a lie is true. What makes you susceptible to that? Pride. What will protect you from that? Humility. So I began on, a, I was already on a quest, but I sure enough began on a quest to learn about humility and grow in it, and, and find out what it is, develop in it. But the Lord began to minister to me for the while I was laying in the floor. I don't mean I heard audible voices, but inside me. You know, he, he can say more to you in a split second than you can explain in hours. Because he's, he's inside you. He's not limited to vocal stuff. And so he began to minister to me. He said, son, these men and women that you're bringing up to me, he said, Yes, I knew them. Yes, they knew me. He said, but every one of them, before they got off, I tried to correct them. I sent people to them. And some of them I knew some of the history on because I knew somebody that was still alive that knew that person. And they told me how the Lord had sent somebody that was really their elder to them. 
and tried to talk to them, and they wouldn't listen, and they wouldn't hear it. He said they didn't get off just because they were deceived and didn't know any better. They got off because they wouldn't listen. They wouldn't be taught. They wouldn't be corrected. This is the problem. This is what causes people to get off. Because God is faithful. I said He's faithful. I believe Keith is going to make it. What do you mean? Who's Keith? Me. I'm Keith. Who? I believe Keith's going to make it. I'm talking about all the way. I'm talking about all the way. I'm talking about running my race, finishing my course, hitting the finish line, hearing, well done. But it's not because Keith is so smart. It's not because Keith, you know, loves God more than everybody else or has more faith than somebody else or knows the Bible. No, no, no. That's what I'm talking about. I saw how far these people had gone, and I saw if I'm counting on that, I'm in trouble. Because what is that? That's pride. You think you're not going to fall where they fell? Because you're what? Prettier than they are? Smarter than they are? What? Because you're not. There's some outstanding people have fallen. Some amazing people have gotten off so bad. He said, son, I, I tried to talk to them. I dealt with them. I sent people to them. And they would not hear. He said, your humility is your protection from deception. If you begin to get off, I'll show you. If you need help, I'll send it. The question is, will you listen? Will you listen? Will you hear it? Will you receive it? Will you be teachable? Will you be correctable? If you will, he said, I can keep you your whole life. can keep you. How many know He can keep us? He can keep us perfectly safe our whole life if, if we'll listen. If we'll listen. If we'll be teachable. And that's not in my notes anywhere. But it's true. I said it's true. Uh, Did you find Acts? Acts 2. Acts 2. What is verse... uh, Let's see. Let's start about verse 3 maybe. Acts 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. How many believe this really happened? It's not a fairy tale. Not somebody's wild imagination. Actually happened. If you'd have been in the house, would you have heard it? Oh, yeah. Would you have seen it? Would you have felt it? There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Ghost is just an old English word for spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's a Holy Ghost service. (laughs) How many would agree? We're talking about having a Holy Ghost service. Let's don't look to some other kind of idea. Let's go to the Bible. What, what kind of Holy Ghost services did they have? This is the original Holy Ghost service. They got filled. They spoke in tongues. They spoke in divers kinds of tongues. They spoke in sign tongues. What is that? That's a tongue other people can understand. And you don't even know what you're saying. That's a sign to unbelievers. First Corinthians talks about that, you know. But not only that, they were so filled with the Spirit, people thought they were drunk. Didn't they? They come staggering out. 
I guess they were laughing too much. They were too loud, stumbling around, falling out. That's why you think people are drunk, because they act like drunk people. You wouldn't think they're drunk just because they're speaking in a different language. That is, this is a Holy Ghost service. We've had little tastes of this here and there. How many would like to have some more? Like to have some more? Some more? Hmm? Somebody say, Holy Ghost service. That's for me. <laughs> but you want the real thing. Not a bunch of goofy stuff. Not error. Not just a bunch of flesh. Let me tell you a key in identifying a real Holy Ghost service. Who was lifted up here? It was the Lord. Who was emphasized? Who was seen? It was the Holy Spirit. It was the Lord. And when the preachers did start preaching, it was about Jesus. Right? Jesus is everything. I said He's everything. Everything. Real moves of God are not built on men and women. Real moves of God, real manifestations of the Holy Spirit are not built on and based on just individuals. Now, we need leaders. I said we need leaders. We need leaders who know the Lord to keep things from going off. One reason I begin to talk about the error thing is because the I believe that it's God's will that we have some of the mightiest outpourings of the Spirit that anybody's ever heard about. Do you? Some of the most amazing, astonishing things that anybody, including reading in the book of Acts, has seen or heard. How many think that's the will of God? He doesn't go backward. He doesn't go down. He doesn't just point to the past as the best He can do. Does He? He's not the great used to be. I was. He is the great. I am. But you study history a little bit, church history I'm talking about, including recent times. I think one of the biggest problems has been the Lord begin to move and men mess it up. Hmm? He wants to move. He's ready to do things. He's always willing. Every service, every day, every night, at home, whenever. Had somebody want to take me to task some years ago, and they said, Are you saying that you can speak in tongues anytime you want to? And that other people can? I'd learned years ago not to just answer yes, (laughs) but to take people back to the Word. And I took them back where Paul said in 1 Corinthians, What is it then? I will uh, pray with the Spirit. I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding. Isn't he say he can do one just like he can do the other at his will? I will. And they said, Oh, no, 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 no. They said, You can't just turn the Holy Ghost off and on. I said, Well, he's always on. He's never off. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He never goes away. He's with us always. He's always on. And anytime you yield to Him, He'll give you utterance. He's there. Well, that's true in more ways than one. It's true in every service, too. It's true at home with you every day, too. And the limitation has not been his unwillingness to move and do things. It's been our carnality. It's been our dullness. It's been our lack of faith, our lack of sensitivity, our, our ignorance of knowing what was him and knowing how to yield to him. But you and I are on assignment. Faith Life Church and everybody joined by the Internet. 
We're on assignment to do what? To learn how. Learn how. That's why we need some instruction too. To learn how. You learn how to fly the plane on the ground. (laughs) Then you practice flying the plane in the air. You practice what you've already learned. Well, we know this is a Holy Ghost service. This is the original Holy Ghost service. Everybody in agreement with that? Oh, yeah. But that was what we begin with, Acts uh, 2, 3. What happened before Acts 2, 3, and 4? Acts 2, 2. Right? Am I right? Happened before Acts 2, 3 and 4. What happened? Read it. Excuse me, verse 1. We started in 2, didn't we? Well, let's read 1 and 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, said out loud, one accord, one place, and suddenly. Say it again. One accord in one place and suddenly. I like just saying that, don't you? The Spirit of God is always ready to move and do things. But people do not provide Him the right environment. They, they do not yield to Him. And the, the Lord's training us in these areas. And we need to see that what we do in this area provides Him opportunity and freedom to move, our failure to do it hinders Him and actually opens the door for the enemy. What is the opposite of one accord? Hmm? Yeah. I hear several different words. One accord... You're not together. Let's read some other scriptures. You know, before this chapter was chapter 1. And look at the 14th verse in there. What was going on? These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Is it safe to say they were all on the same page? Is that important? It's not only important, it's vital. It's necessary. You cannot have a move of the Spirit like we're talking about without it. Don't just take my word for it. We're reading it here. But in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Turn over to the fourth chapter. We just read this just a few minutes ago. 4, 24. 4.24, when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with what? One accord. accord. Were they together on this thing? Was everybody's mind at the same place? Were they focused in the same direction? One accord. And they prayed this prayer. Lord, you are God. And they wound up by saying, stretch forth your hand to heal. Verse 31, and what happened? And when they had prayed, we might add that 24th verse, in one accord. Right? When they had prayed with one accord, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness, and we saw later how generous they were, and how prosperous they were, and how everybody's needs were met. This is a move of God, friends. I said, this is a move of God. This is another Holy Ghost service. They're getting used to this kind of thing. They're getting to where they expect this kind of thing to happen. I know they were amazed, but they weren't just totally shocked because they heard a rushing mighty wind and saw fire in the house not too many days before. (laughs) Think about it. 
This is the same church you and I are a part of. Same Holy Spirit that's here with us tonight. Same. Think about being in that bunch and going, boy, were you at the service last night? <laughs> they said, nah, my stomach was bothering me a little bit. They said, oh, man, man, you missed it because God shook the house. No. Yeah. Ask anybody who was there. He shook that place like a rag doll. And we could have cared less. We got so full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> right? Mister, well, man, I was there, you know, when the fire came down. But I'm sure sorry I missed that. Well, you better come to church, brother. <laughs> Now, do we, are we just to look longingly back on these services and go, man, wish I could have been a part of that. Wish I could have lived then. Because, you know, that's the good old days. Well, that's back when things was moving. Yeah. It's all past. No, it is not all past today. The Bible warns us, don't ask the question. Don't even say what's the cause that the former days were better than these. He says, you don't inquire wisely. Ecclesiastes says, no, the best days, the best days, the best days are our days, the latest days, and the days to come after us is supposed to get bigger. It's supposed to get better. It's supposed to get greater. It's supposed to be more powerful. More healings, more miracles, more signs and wonders. God getting greater glory. Supposed to be. But what happened before these Holy Ghost services? What led up to them? What was the atmosphere? What was we, most of you know this. Most of you heard this before. But it's not what we know. What are we doing? You know, if everybody's forehead was a TV monitor, TV screen, a video monitor, maybe I should say, and you could see what they were thinking about, Oh, it'd be very distracting. Oh, it'd be very distracting because you you like to imagine they're thinking about what you're saying when you're talking to them. <laughs> but if you could see what was, thank God it's not that way, but if you could see what was on everybody's mind in a service at any given place in time, do you think most everybody's uh, screen would be showing the same thing? It'd be all kind of stuff, wouldn't it? I mean, dear me. All kind of stuff. Everything from what I'm going to do tomorrow to getting that fried chicken when I get back home. And <laughs> my feet's hurting. I shouldn't have worn these shoes. <laughs> Brother Keith's got a string on his pants. This lady's hair in front of me, what was she thinking? <laughs> I mean, it runs the gamut from the mundane to the bizarre. <laughs> and that's also why we have so few real Holy Ghost services Moves of the Lord because people are anything but one mind and one accord. They're in the same place. <laughs> but that's where the unity ends. In fact, it gets a lot worse than that. Instead of that, so many times there's actually strife and bitterness. And division, hard feelings, unforgiveness. And friend, this actually goes past hindering the Holy Spirit to opening the door so the enemy can move. Somebody say, not us. Not our church. Not my home.
<laughs> Some of you don't know where to laugh or to cry. <laughs> well, you may do both for it's over with. Uh, let's read some other scriptures here. You don't have to turn to these. That, that maybe they'll just put them up on the screen for us. Just uh, try not to be too intellectual right now. Just keep your heart open to the Lord. What was the prerequisite for the manifestation of the Spirit on these two outstanding Holy Ghost services? They were in one accord, weren't they? One accord. Romans 15, 5 and 6. Just put it up on the screen for us, if you would. Romans 15, 5. It says, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be what? Like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. Verse 6. That you may with what? One mind mind and what? One One mouth. Glorify God. We're supposed to make confessions together too, aren't we? Yes. We've been doing some of that. And that helps us. If we're all, when we're all saying the same thing, it's more likely we all got the same thing on our minds. It helps us because your mind, especially when you're saying something out loud strongly, it overrides your thought processes. It superimposes what you're saying on your mind, at least while you're saying it. So with one mind and one mouth, Glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus. Look at Philippians. Well, they'll put it up for us. Philippians 1, 27. Philippians 1, 27, please. It says, Only let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ. He said that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. I may hear that you stand fast. How? In one spirit. And what? With one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. First Peter 3.8. First Peter 3.8. He said, finally, be ye all of what? One mind. Having compassion one of another. Love is brethren. Be pitiful or full of uh, compassion. And be courteous. Go to Psalm 133. Psalm 133, please. Is this okay? Can you take some more of this? Can you see what we're doing, though? What are we doing? We're preparing ourselves to be better yielded to the Holy Spirit, learning how to cooperate more with Him. The environment that He can manifest in is that of unity And love. Psalm 133. Psalm 133, verse 1. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Unity. Is it any wonder the devil? Fight so hard to cause so much trouble between us. Hmm? He knows better than most Christians do. If we ever get on the same page, get get in one mind and one accord and get to loving each other, dear me, the Holy Ghost will be able to manifest Himself in such powerful ways that there's nothing He can do about it. But He's been all too successful at keeping churches, people, Families snapping at each other, fussing at each other. I mean, just as bad as sinners. Just as, just as bitter and unforgiving and messed up as people who've never been born again. I mean, we, we don't like to think about it, but we need to be real. Everybody comes into the church and going to praise the Lord. Some people have just had a knock down, drag out with their spouse on the way over here in the car. Right? How, how are they doing when it comes to praising the Lord? <laughs> Does it make it hard? Yes. What makes it so hard? Because you've been yielding to the enemy. Now you're trying to completely change gears 
and quit yielding to him and yield to the Holy Spirit. It's quite a transition. <laughs> what is the New Testament commandment? Hmm? We're, we're, we're not told to try to do this. We're not encouraged to give this our best, best shot. It's a commandment. Commandment, isn't it? Commandment. We are commanded to do what? Why would the Lord have to command us to do it? Because <laughs> so many times when you really need to do it the most is when you feel like it the least. It's time to walk in love with them. It's time to love them. And you feel like slapping them. You feel like telling them exactly what you think about what they have said and done. Right? You, you feel like putting them in their place. But it's time to love. To walk in love. And the thing is, I, we have not understood what's at stake. We have not understood why the Lord has made it a commandment. What does that mean? He, he means do it no matter how mad you are, no matter how hurt you are, no matter how you feel, no matter what they've done. He has commanded us to do it. Why? Well, hold your place here in Psalms and go to James before we finish this. Go to James, please. Everybody okay? If not, just pray through under your breath right there where you are. Just, just get right with God. <laughs> thank God for First John 1, 9. I thank, thank God for the blood. James 3. Verse 14, James 3. If you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Why would he say such a thing? There are people that feel justified, actually try to spiritualize their anger, their indignation. Did you know it? He said, don't you do that. Don't you, don't you glory, glory and boast in that. Don't you try to make it something it's not. Don't you lie against the truth. How many know bitter and envying is just wrong, period, wrong? Wrong. No matter what. Every time with everybody, wrong. Fifteen, this wisdom descends not from above, but is what? Earthly and what? Central. We talked last week about how the flesh will hold you out. And what else? Devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion. We know from other scriptures, the Bible said God is not in confusion. So who would this be? He just got through saying devilish. Where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. That sounds like an evil spirit service. Whether it's at your house or place of business or wherever it might be. I know the the Lord spoke to me some years ago about this passage of Scripture. I, I wrote it in, in my margin. Where there's strife, what did He say there is? There, there's confusion and every what? How I many of it's got to be a manifestation of the evil one? He's doing all his evil works. He's doing what he wants to do. And what was the environment that provided for it? Strife. Envying. Strife. Strife. The Lord prompted me. I wrote it down. He said, strife is the manifest presence of the devil. Love is the manifest presence of God. God is love. And he, he told me in no uncertain terms that 
the, the, I, as an overseer of the ministry, and now the church, was not to allow strife. Amen. Not to allow it. Amen. Now, there's a number of ways. I won't take time to go into it tonight, but things that you have to do to do that. But if I allow, he showed me plainly, if I allowed strife in our ministry, I'm allowing the evil one to manifest in my ministry. If I allow strife to go unhindered and undealt with in the church, I'm allowing the devil to work. I'm allowing him. How many One of the jobs of the shepherd is to watch out for the evil one and to shut the door and not let him work. And uh, I won't go into what all that involves, but it, well, one thing the Bible says, cast out the scorner. And the strife will cease. If people won't listen and they won't walk in love, sometimes they need to walk. Because as long as they're there running their mouth, there's going to be strife. Did you hear me? Some people think that's hard. That's Bible. I said it's Bible. How are we going to have the kind of Holy Ghost services they had? The kind we can have today. How many know we need to get our business straight before we come to church? Amen. We don't need to come fussing in the car. Right? We don't need to become come upset and mad because of what happened at, at work today. How many know the Bible said, don't let the sun go down? Amen. But you don't know how they talk to me. They talk to me like a dog at work today. Well, the Bible still says, don't let the sun go down on that wrath. What do you do? You forgive them, you get it right, and sure, don't come in the church house steaming. Because the rest of us are going to be trying to have a Holy Ghost service. And you'll be hindering us, holding us back, and we won't like it. And we might get so in tune with the Holy Ghost, we all just turn around and look at you. And go, you need to leave. Or repent. Why don't you just repent? Repent and stay. Or leave. <laughs> what scripture are y'all at? On, on your way back towards Psalms, stop by First Corinthians, <clears throat> the fourteenth chapter. Is strife okay in your house, at the church, anywhere? It's an obvious failure to keep the love command, right? You're either not loving them or you're not forgiving them or you're not willing to let it go or whatever the case is. Strife cannot continue when people are walking in love with each other. I won't say that again. Strife cannot continue, cannot persist when people are walking in love with each other. Can it? Immature ones, baby Christians, don't know what's important. They get upset, they get miffed, they get hurt, they get mad about any number of things that's not going to matter in a few days. Don't they? I mean, they'll hold a grudge for 20 years over $20 because they're ignorant and immature and don't know what's important. Maturing ones, those who are growing up, they're learning what's important. They're learning that all this stuff is soon going to be gone anyway. They're learning this life is about this short and you need to watch what you're doing and you need to live today so that you've got no regrets tomorrow. Right? Maturing ones learn that the important thing is God and His plan and His will and that God is love. Everybody with me on this now? He could have said, couldn't He have revealed Himself? He could have said, I am power. He could have said, I am miraculous. Couldn't He? No, what did He say? He has revealed Himself as 
love. Oh, friends, say it out loud right now. God, God Father, Father, help me to see see these things things the way you do. The The importance of love. The The greatness greatness of the love command. command. How to apply these things. And walk in love with everybody, everywhere, every day. Show us, teach us, help us to come into this unity in the bond of love. Hallelujah. What is it that binds us together? What is it that enables this mature, the spiritual unity we're talking about? It's this love. When you love God more than anything and everybody and you love people more than you do yourself and all your stuff and things and any amount of money and you got everybody in the house that's on that same page, you about to have a Acts 2-4 or a Acts 4-31. You about to have an Acts service. Whether it's at the church house or your house. Can we do it? Can we do it? Well, if you know, it's just real easy and took no effort, everybody would already be doing it. But we, we just prayed a prayer. I'm believing the Lord's answering that prayer and will lead us day to day and week to week. And we, we already have this in a measure. But I believe the love of God in our hearts can grow so much. Our minds held by the compassion and love of the Lord and love for people that it just permeates every fiber of this building and the parking lot. And people can sense it going by on on the strip up here. Right? We're not that far from the strip. And, And people can sense it. Since what? The love of God. They go by maybe just into some foolish, even some wrong stuff, and all at once just quit talking and sense something in the car. The love of God won't be strong and manifested just because this building is here, just because these grounds are here. This is not the house of God. We, we are the house of God. You are the house of God. The most miserable people on the planet are people who have forgotten love, who only think about their self, only think about what they want, only think about what they need, only think about what they don't have, only think about what somebody didn't do for me. Miserable. That will make you miserable. You know who the most fulfilled people on the planet are? Sow and you'll reap. Right? Sow and you'll reap. The most... Fulfilled people on the planet are people that are being used of God to love people, love other folks. God is loving others through you. He's answering their prayers through you. He's answering their questions, giving them direction, helping them, making them feel important, making them feel secure, encouraging them to rise to their full potential through You. Oh, friend, when you're used of God to lift somebody up and to meet somebody's needs, if you you tasted of it, you know there's nothing like it on the world. There's nothing like it in this whole life. And you want more of it. I said you want more of it. What if everybody in this church came in on a Friday night and everybody's believing God and just praying under their breath. Lord, I don't know what these people in here need, but oh God, I'm believing you to give it to them. Whatever it is, whatever needs to be said, and you're not even so much thinking about yourself. You're looking around and you're going, oh, look at them. I love them. Look at them. Oh, what a wonderful sister of the Lord. Look at them. What a wonderful brother of the Lord. And this love really begins to flow. It's how we all get on the same page. One mind. One accord. Hallelujah. Musicians, stand up.
via the scripture said Jesus said a house divided can't stand it'll fall and the enemy's always looking to uh, divide us go ahead stand up on your feet everybody Always trying to cause strife and division. And where there's strife, what is there? Not a Holy Spirit service. Evil spirit is manifesting. Confusion and every evil work. Now, now, now reverse that. You see somebody, I don't care if it's you. In a, in a situation completely confusing and all kind of bad stuff going on all around them. What do you know is going on? We, we already have some insight into how it got that way. Whether it's you or me or whoever. And the word for strife literally means discord. Discord. Heard somebody say it earlier. That was the opposite of one accord. And it, it's used with musical terminology. Any players or singers in here? You know what a chord is? Or a key? We got some good players up here. Thank God for them. We like it when they're together. <laughs> Don't we? <laughs> Which they are most of the time. But uh, discord is not being in the same chord. And it sounds quite differently. I want y'all to play us a song. We were playing Oh How I Love Jesus earlier. I want y'all to play it. But Sky, I want you to play it in F. Dwayne, I want you to play it in G. Bob, I want you to play it in A. <laughs> B. And you can play it in any key you want to. <laughs> JJ. <laughs> Go ahead. what strife sounds like in the spirit only much worse <laughs> how can we fix this huh they all got to get in the same chord one chord one accord how are they going to do that They're playing in, what was it, four different keys? Which one of those four do they play in, though? How are they going to get it sorted out? <laughs> do you know how? How, how will they get in the same key? If they say, okay, let's play in a different key, and they take off again. <laughs> See, we got too many people 
insist on doing their own thing. We got too many people want to lead, want to be in charge when they're supposed to be following. How many know these players up here? Players, do y'all want somebody leading? (laughs) If somebody's leading, then everybody else knows play in their court. Makes it easy. Psalm 133. Put it back up on the screen for us. Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is as awful as strife and fussing and fighting and bitterness and envy is. It's to that degree and more how wonderful. Hallelujah. Pleasant and good Unity is in the home, in the family, at the workplace. Certainly it ought to be that way at church. Dwell together in unity. Keep reading verse 2. It's like the precious ointment. We all know this is a type of the anointing, type of the Holy Spirit. Like the precious ointment upon the... The what? Head. Where does the flow come from? The head. The head. Upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment. Well, what if the shirt was in one room, the skirt was in another room, The sandals was in another room. What if the body had been dismembered? One arm was in the backyard. One leg was in the front yard. Those parts are not going to experience any anointing. Because the further from the head you are, the drier you're going to be. How many understand? For the anointing oil to flow and touch every part, Every part's got to be connected. Every part's got to be together in the body where it's supposed to be. And it didn't start at the feet. And it didn't come in from the side. It came from the head. And it flowed down over the head. And then it got to every part. Every part of the body. All the way down to the skirts, to the bottom. And it was good. And it was pleasant. And it was wonderful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So before they can play in the right key, we got to know who's leading this deal. Don't we? And as soon as we know that, everybody else can just follow them. And oh, what we desire is that our leaders follow the head. And like Paul said, follow me as I'm following him. And oh, if we can be together. Oh, if we can be in one mind, in the one place, and the one accord. We can experience as great a things as you've ever read about in the book of Acts. And even greater. (laughs) As I'm speaking, people are on different channels. And that's the issue. Some people, their body's here, but they've already left. And uh, what that boils down to is they just don't want it enough. They say they want it, but they don't want it enough to push past some of the tendency of the the flesh. I don't want to play church. Do you? I I don't want to settle for mediocre. Do you? I I don't want to just come and, and check the boxes and say we... We sang three fast songs and a slow one and we had an offering and we dismissed and went home. And three points in a poem. <laughs> when your heart is saying there's more, you know why it's saying that? Because there's more. How many would raise your hand and say, my heart is saying there is more? 
there is more. Who's going to lead this song? Huh? Bob's going to lead the song. Okay, Bob, tell the boys what key we're playing in. <laughs> Take off. Oh, yeah. So much better. Come on, praise the Lord tonight. Whoa, hallelujah. Yeah. 